Hello, welcome to this latest University of Brighton podcast. I'm Richard Newman and in this episode we've been very lucky to get a bit of time with former student, honorary graduate and activist and model Monroe Bergdorf, who recently visited the university to deliver a Q&A with students. Monroe talked about how the university changed her life, paid tribute to her former lecturer Dr Jess Moriarty and discussed her position in society as a role model for trans people. Monroe, welcome back. You've just been doing a, a Q&A here at the university. I have. Does it feel quite special for you coming back here? Yeah, Brighton is my spiritual home. It's I, I think it's where I've found myself in many different scenarios. Um, but yeah, it's, it's, it's an amazing place. Um, it really changed how I think about myself and how I treat other people. Um, I formed tools here at the university that I use um, in my career, um, that I use personally. Um, it's, it's an amazing place and I'm, I'm always so thankful whenever I come back. We've, we've talked about your uh, experience here at the university before and how the likes of Jess Moriarty really yeah. helped you sort of become the person that, yeah. that you always knew you were. Yeah. yeah. But could you sort of summarise again for us um, yeah. what sort of happened here? Um, so, yeah, I had a bit of a tough time at university. I wasn't a happy person at that um, point. I just had a lot going on and I was, I, I described it in the lecture today as big chaotic energy, whereas there was a lot that I could do, but I wasn't doing anything because I couldn't, I couldn't hone in on, um, I couldn't make sense of the noise basically. So um, Jess pulled me into her office and asked why I wasn't turning up to lectures. And at that point I had an eating disorder and I was going out all the time to try and escape from how I was feeling but in doing that I was making myself worse and worse and worse so um yeah just really just provided me with the tools to be able to condense how I was feeling and compartmentalize and turn the hurt into something creative um and put it all into the work and I guess that's still what I do today within my work in activism and um, helping other people to use their experiences and turn it into something positive. Mm, you've talked about as well Brighton being your spiritual home. Yeah. So what changed personally? Was there sort of like a bit of a mental switch then when you got to Brighton about feeling yeah. like you could you could you could be different you could, or you could be oh, yeah. well, actually you, you could be yourself? Yeah I think Brighton was the first place that I ever felt a sense of community. Right. I think that there's such a there's something in the air in Brighton. Um, it's 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 not small, but it's small enough that you can you know bump into somebody every time that you leave the house, and it does you you don't feel as isolated. Um, it was the first time that I plugged into the queer community in Brighton. Um, so I, I don't know. I think that I yeah it was I felt. Like Brighton was the first place that I felt like I belonged. But I just made a lot of mistakes here, but I also um, achieved a lot and made friends that I still have today. So um, yeah, it's, it's a really special place. And every time that I come back, I'm reminded of just how amazing it is. Mm. Let's talk about what you started um, this, this afternoon in your keynote speech. You, you were talking about Valentine's Day, which we've just had, mm. and about that sort of pressure to be partnered up with someone yeah. and not seeking external validation. Can you tell us about what you, what you were getting across there and uh, yeah. 
because you it came up quite a lot of times today so I'm wondering yeah. whether that's on your mind quite a bit I think yeah I think that there's such a pressure to be um seeking out things to fulfill you um but I don't think that there's enough um reminders out there that we are enough as we are and that everything that we can achieve and will achieve and should achieve um is is within us and you know you don't need to be um partnered or you don't need to um you know have another person there with you to be complete you know you can be single and complete it's fine to be single it's it's not it's not a bad thing but when I was I I was speaking about that because when I was at university I was kind of the queen of external sources and like the queen of escapism and trying to um, feel good um, by um, accessing things outside of my body rather than generating my own happiness so um, I think that that's something that I'm trying to get across as much as possible and you know things like Valentine's Day, take it with a pinch of salt because it's not the be all and end all. And if you're not in a, a relationship, then it doesn't mean anything. It just means that you're not in a relationship. It's it's really important to be able to generate your own happiness, and then everything else is um, a plus. What are your general thoughts about? Because you talked a lot about sort of mental health as well. And mm. what are your thoughts about days like Valentine's Day? Because they're just they are now just massive commercial. Yeah, events aren't they? There's a lot of pressure on people, and I think they it's kind always of feel a bit been. unnecessary a lot yeah. of the time. What are your thoughts on those kind of things? You know, what? I think it can be fun in in a in a sense, but I think it's you know you need to if you're feeling down about um, you know not being in a relationship on Valentine's Day, I think that it's more important to think about you know the the rest of the the rest of the year and that it is just a day and I'm constantly asking interviews around this time of year what are you doing on Valentine's Day so I'm not doing anything because I'm always single on Valentine's Day but um you know I don't it doesn't matter to me I think that I just said that I'd be checking in with my friends and seeing if they're all okay and I think it's a good reminder to be there for each other you don't need to be in a romantic relationship I think that it can be um, it can take on a new meaning but I think it's most it's most important to be able to generate that love within yourself you're quite high profile in the media and obviously that, that can leave you open to, you know, mm. you, have, you have to take a lot of the criticism as well with it. I wonder how you're a role model for mm. so many people. Do you feel like you've really grown into that into that role? Because I imagine yeah. when you when you decided to speak up a lot more about these sorts of things, I don't know if you did, but you might have felt quite a lot of pressure at the start. Yeah. And do you feel like you've kind of grown into that a lot more? Do you feel quite happy with where you're at? Yeah. Now? I mean, I don't know. I, when I first started um, in the media, I kind of felt like, I didn't feel like a role model. I thought that, you know, a role model is someone that's perfect. And like then the more that I realised that perfection doesn't exist and that um, kind of representation and visibility are really important and sometimes that is enough. It, it's difficult for me to, like, say that I'm not a role model because pe- there's people saying that I am, so I don't want to... Do you still not really feel like one? Well, I don't feel like a role model, no. <laughs> I, I feel like you just a one. human being. Yeah, I know, I, I, I guess, but it's... I don't feel like it, but if I know that that's the case with some people, so I just try to use my platform as, much, as, as well as possible because I know that I do mean that to some people. Um, 
So it, it's difficult. I try not to think of myself like that though, because it's, it, I do feel the pressure, but um, I do, I'm, I've, I'm much more comfortable with the responsibility than I was. You say you feel the pressure, but you also have spoken about how you feel the, the privilege to be able to mm. to speak about things, that, yeah. especially when you growing up didn't have a similar, yeah. anyone similar to really mm. look up to, really. Do you feel like you've grown into that as well? Yeah, I think it's, yeah, I don't necessarily feel like a role model, but I do feel like a representative. Mm. And I'm, I tried to, I spoke today about taking the ego out of my work. Mm. And when people look to me as a role model, I recognise that that's my responsibility to be a representative. I, I don't necessarily see myself as a role model. Um, that's not language that I use, but I I do see myself as a representative, so I try to use that privilege and my platform as best as I can. Yeah. Um, what are you working on at the moment? What sort of what have you got on the agenda for, for 2020? So at the moment, I'm writing my book, which will be out in February, hopefully next year. Um, I'm working on my podcast as well. I'm getting that all together. It's going to be about bodily journeys um, that we've all got. A body um so we've all got insecurities we've all um gone through different um things but i think that that factor that we've all gone through different things is something that unites us as well so um i'm excited about that um i want to focus more on um i want to focus less on speaking about um just being trans you know I think that it's it's a part of my identity it doesn't need to be an overwhelming thing and I think that a lot of the narratives in the media make it so difficult for trans people to be seen as anything but trans Mm. um so I think it's um my work's going to be really focused on like achieving things that I want to achieve and then that standing as it's on its own yeah we'll come back to that in just a second um just staying on what you've what you've got coming up you've just shot a cover of a rather famous magazine as well. Yeah, I just got the cover of Glamour magazine, which is really exciting. So that's out now. How was that? Yeah, really exciting. Kind of crazy because yeah. Glamour, I read at high school um, in the library because yeah. <laughs> I had no friends. But um, it was it was like my beauty bible and my introduction to self expression through makeup. So that was great. What I found really interesting when you were talking in the Q and A was when you touched on every time you're in the media you are introduced as mm. transgender Monroe mm. and this needs to change now like you need yeah. to be able to take this on a step further and I wonder whether you talking about you've got your own you've got your own goals and I wonder whether mm. many people ask you what those goals what those goals yeah. are like past such an important voice mm, what do you want to be doing with your own life I just want to be able to be creative a lot more and not just in one sense, but um, I, sh- I was lucky enough to shoot for um, a very high-end um, makeup brand the other day. And it was just so refreshing because they were like, we want you to shoot this yourself and we want you to express yourself as creatively as you want, but using our products. And so, I mean, it's, I don't, I'm not saying that I want to, you know, I want to paint. <laughs> and like, if I want to paint, then I want to paint. But like, I want be doing what I'm doing but I want to be able to be creative with it and not 
just be confined by the perimeters of what I'm expected to do or expected to speak about. And I think it's really important that as trans people, we are setting the parameters ourselves rather than having to, um, you know, navigate within cisgender limitations. So I think it's really important that trans people are able to use language that is coined by trans people. Um, I think that you can see the stark difference between um, language that's coined by cis people to speak about trans people is taken a lot more seriously than language actually created by trans people to speak about our own experiences. So how, you know, when um, we speak about gender dysphoria, gender dysphoria isn't a term as um, we were speaking about um, that was coined necessarily by trans people. It was coined by cis people to speak about trans people. Um, but when trans people speak about non-binary identity or transamory, because it's created by trans people, it's almost kind of like seen from the perspective of, is this real? Mm. Because it's created by trans people or is it made up? So um, I think it's really important that trans people are allowed to to, again, re-establish the system and um, start making our own rules for um, the life that we navigate. But, um, yeah, so this brand just said, do what you want and um, be creative, um, express yourself in a way that you see fit. And that's what I want to do. I want to I work with more brands in fashion and beauty um, in a creative way um, that explores parts of myself that have maybe been deemed too much before so clearly things are changing a little bit i, I mean, think albeit so yeah i think you know it's it's a it's a mixture of um the fact that society is becoming more progressive and there's more trans representation out there now so it doesn't necessarily need to be as um by the book as it has been up until this point um but I think the fact that there's more trans people in the creative industries and, you know, that Pose is one of the number, is one of the biggest shows on television and it's an all trans cast and things like that are trickling down and helping to um, make, um, make it easier for all of us to just be a lot more multifaceted. I was quite interested about what you're talking about, how starting the year, I mean, for a lot of people. Yeah. It was a bit depressing, yeah. depending on what side of the, of the political line sure. you're on. But you sort of said that once you took some time out, mm. you, you sort of looked back to the 1980s and saw that maybe there was a reason for a bit of optimism. Yeah. Do you feel that? I think so. I think, you know, we're, we're unfortunately very divided at the moment. And I think that if you are more left-leaning, um, speaking for myself personally, I felt very demotivated um, by the end of last year and then coming into the beginning of this year. And um, I think that it's really important to remind yourselves and remind each other that, you know, society, this happens and it has always happened. And um, unfortunately, um, we're in a period of time where a lot of people feel disenfranchised and um, ignored. Um, but during this time and always during times of political unrest or um, division, culture has really thrived, um, especially within liberal communities and marginalised communities. So um, I'm looking forward to just, you know, trying to play my part within that shift in culture and move the conversations on because I feel like for a long time we've been speaking about the same kind of thing when it comes to trans identity or trans kids and why are we speaking about um you know 
should a trans kid be treated by um, the gender identity clinic? Um, you know, should trans kids be able to transition? Well, why are we speaking about that when trans kids exist? And, um, you know, we should be speaking about supporting those kids that transition rather than do they exist when we've been having this conversation for a while now. So <laughs> I think that it's really about pushing things forward. Finally, bring you back to, bring you back to the university. If you could sort of summarise your time here, if you could think about, if you think back to the University of Brighton when you're not here, mm -hmm. how do you sort of remember it? I think, it's quite hard to say that when you're actually here. Yeah, I just feel really, I don't know, I just smile and it's just, my, my old lecturer right, right. is in the audience, <laughs> giggling. Smacking at the back. Um, I, I just feel good. I, I feel like it was a real moment for me to... Um, think about what I wanted and it it really did help me form a foundation that I've been able to build on for the rest of my life um I in in many ways it was like the best and the worst period of time of my life um but it, it I think that you know this university provided me with invaluable tools and um, I went through a really hard time, but I think that it would have been harder if I didn't have those tools. And um, yeah, I'm just forever thankful, especially to um, my old lecturer as well, um, Dr. Jess Moriarty, for um, reminding me um, consistently since I left the university without even speaking to me that, you know, we're all going through something and just, you know, take from her example of um, being patient and understanding um, even when it maybe looks like someone doesn't care. We hope to see you again. Good luck with the book. You'll definitely see me again. Uh, thank you for taking the time to speak to us. Thank you for having me again. Thank you so much to Monroe for taking the time to speak to us after her Q&A recently. Follow all of her work through her social media channels. The links are in the podcast description. That's it for this week. But if you're a first-time listener and you want to hear more, you can subscribe to the podcast through all the usual podcast apps like Spotify and Apple Podcasts. Just search University of Brighton. You can also listen to previous episodes there too. Until next time, thanks for listening. <laughs>